This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Taz. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. Listen, if you're going to do a crime, make sure that you have a plan. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. I know you love that DJ, so I bought us tickets for next week. Got you a coffee, oatmeal cappuccino, right? Your bookshelf. Wow. You've got a really, really great taste. Really great taste. Let's spend the day together. I've got it all planned out. Kindness. Now that's sexy. Try it for yourself with compliments now on Bumble. All right. So our players this week are Andre Brown, Helen's boyfriend and our victim, Milton Lee, our first suspect, Kenny Oakley, our second suspect, Mark Keegan, who may or may not be a real person, our third suspect, and Helen Frazier, our murderess. Helen Frazier was born in Chicago, Illinois, and she was known to be very beautiful. She was known to be a nice, smooth talker, and as a young girl in the 80s, she grew up in the 80s, she fell in love with this man by the name of John Burton. John Burton and her had their first son in 1985, and while good old John never married Helen, they went on to have two more sons together. The relationship between the two was rocky, that's a good word for it, and by the time the 90s rolled around, Helen found herself a single mom. She was never known for being very stable, and she would like hop from one job to the next. Because of that, a lot of the times her son's stayed with their dad. And also she had a new BFF called The Bottle. And so because of that, she couldn't hold down a job. A lot of the time she was living on and off the streets. Things weren't looking too good until she hit about 40. You know, sometimes the 30s hit bad. Once she hit 40, she was starting to be in her stride. Because 40 is the new 30, right? Right. 
she began to work. She began to start turning things around. Like she was inspired to be a better person. And her inspiration was because she found out that she had grandkids. She had a total of six grandkids. And all of a sudden she wanted to be like grandma, the granny that everybody wanted to be. But that's how that be, right? Niggas like, like you weren't there for me, but you want to be there for these kids. It's, it's they do over, man. Care of. It's they do over, and they get no. To, it's not. It is, and they had. This is a time to make it right. They're older. They're wiser. They have more time on their hand. They have more and you money need to available. And they're like to me. Wow, your child. <laughs> That's how it go, man. Mm, I get that, but <laughs> you. How you gonna? She said, how you gonna, gonna be nice to this? How you going to gentle parent this child when you beat my ass all the time? <laughs> Listen, because that's that the sense. luxury of being a grandparent because you can hand their asses back. Anyways, it was around this time that she met herself a new man. And this man's name was Andre Brown. Take it away, Tazzy. Andre was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois, and he grew up in foster care with his younger sister, Deborah, until his older sister, Julie Roster, and her husband took them in. He lived with them until he became an adult, and he had a desire to travel and see the world. So he said, you know, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to join the Marines. So that's what he did. It was the 80s. He enlisted. He went to Japan and many other places. Really got to see the world accomplish what he set out to do, right? He was really loving his new place in life, like... He became part of the military police force and ended up moving back to Illinois after being honorably discharged. Now, when family and friends would describe Andre, they would say that he was the life of everything he was around, like not just the party, okay? He was a fly-by-night man. He could be here for two months and go on the next. Nothing really kept him down. He liked variety, Quote, not only in women, but in places, peoples, and things. He was an adventurous type of dude. I love it. I love it. Let's get up and go, baby. Listen, but the girls wasn't getting up and going with him is the thing. He was get up and gone. To his family and the the people he cared about, his friends, you know, he was the guy that you could count on. He wasn't consistent in the way, like, steady and always there. But, of course, like she said, it was by choice. He was living an adventure. But when you needed him, he was there. Only one call away, he showed up when it counted. But, you know, after being discharged, he decided he was ready to lay down some roots and move back to his hometown. He worked as a laborer for Procter & Gamble, and when he wasn't working, you could find him hanging out with family or friends. That was that was his free time, spending it with loved ones, right? And they said his man or was always working. money. Never not working. <laughs> On the hustle. For example, there was this local bar not too far from where he worked. And when he would walk in, everybody would be like, hey, Andre's here. Look, everybody, it's Andre. He was didn't have an enemy. You know? Now, when it came to relationships, he was like, can't catch him. You know what I mean? He was gone. Uh, he was never married. And it wasn't for lack of trying, like. The girls wanted him. He had a couple of promising connections, but nobody seemed to stick. He had to find somebody that was willing to go on the adventure with him. Was that the problem? You know? That was it, huh? (laughs) Because all those women that didn't stick are pre-him settling down and putting his roots down. He shouldn't, you know, you got to find your journey buddy. Mm Mm-hmm. Somebody who's ready to pack up the van and go. Don't tell me where we're headed, just drive. Right. That's what he wanted. That's all you want. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) 
When speaking about his reputation with the ladies, his niece, Shane Rooster, said, Aunt liked the women. I don't remember much other than him always having a cute girlfriend somewhere. So stay with it, but didn't stay with them. I mean, as he got to his 50s, he was like, okay, you know, I got my house. I'm settled in Chicago with my family. Maybe, maybe it's time to slow down. But by age 55, he was still single but was living a more grounded and consistent lifestyle. Like, he done, he done moved into this domesticated place. He, he was no longer traveling like he used to. But it's okay. You know, you're settling. You had your fun. But things started to take a turn in October of 2016 because that's when he met 51-year-old Helen Frazier. She gave him all the feelings of home. She knew the city like he knew. But, you know, the one you with, that's what it really feel like home. Home is where the heart is, all right? That's what they say. Now, Helen saw something different in Andre, something that the other girls didn't get to see. Like, here you got this ex-Marine, well-traveled, good record, benefits there, still keep a job. He's caring, he's generous, like, what's not to love? So they start getting a little serious. They're dating exclusively. People said that he was happy. They seemed to be getting along good. They was going to karaoke, having a good time. He was living his best life. Now, between the two of them, they didn't have any real expectation to move very quickly. Like, they're both older. They're in their 40s, and their 50s. They've been around the way. They've been doing this thing for quite a while. However, you know, Helen, she ain't had a place to stay. And Andre, he had a place to stay. And so Helen was like, oh, I have no place to stay. And Andre, you know how it is. He was like, you know, you can stay with me, baby. Baby? You can stay with me, boo. And that's where she stayed. They spent the holidays together. They rang the New Year's in together. And then just times kept going on and on and on. It seemed like to everybody else that they were really happy. Like, it had, they're older. They had really found love after all this time. That looked like that on the surface. But however, things were actually getting very heated in the home. They were arguing all the time. I mean, Helen was getting drunk and they were arguing all the time. One minute, they're sitting there hanging out, taking a couple drinks back, watching TV. The next moment, they are arguing. They're screaming. They're yelling at each other. She's drunk. They're going on and on and on. Andre called the police, and he made several police reports. The police would come by. They would argue. He'd call the police. The police come by. She's drunk. And he'd be like, I want her out. Like, she needs to go. And they're like, nah, like, we can't. She lives here. Even if she don't pay no bills, she lives here. Squatter's rights. You can evict learn her. You can evict her. Tell that nigga he got to go home every civil. three, four days. You can do a civil suit, but they don't arrest her, even though it's a domestic dispute. I get, every state is different. Some states, if it's a domestic dispute, somebody's getting arrested. However, you need to check your state and local laws. Okay? You ain't get no legal advice from sisters who kill ever in your life. <laughs> ever. Ever, ever. You never, ever, ever got legal advice here, okay? So, yeah, things are getting really heated at the house. Andre, he has this homeboy named Milton Leak. Now, Milton is also a guy that, you know, goes from here to there. He's not really, he doesn't really have a house. He, like, couch surface. He might be at the shelter. He's pretty homeless or whatever. He's pretty Uh, homeless for the most part. Sometimes he had a place to rest his head. Sometimes he didn't. And that's homeless. It's all the way homeless. 
You don't have a home. Having a place to stay is not having a home. But anyways, like, him and Andre were cool. They would let each other borrow money. They were good friends. They went way back. And Andre was like, yo, Milton, why don't you stay at the house for a little while? And Mills was like, yo, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you, bro. That's great. He stays at their house. And while he's there, they're arguing all the time. And he's just there, like, stressed. I'm just trying to get some sleep. And one time they start arguing and they're all sitting there while Helen pull out a knife and threatens to stab Andre. And Milton is like, yo, yo, what's going on here? Like, no, we're not about to stab him. Like, this is crazy. They were arguing so much that he was like, you know what, bro? Heard there was a bed open at the shelter. (laughs) I'm going to go there and bye. That's how you know it's bad. Like, I don't really have a place to stay for real, for real, but I'd rather be anywhere else but here now once things started getting bad andre was very vocal about the fact that that he was done with helen that she had crossed way too many lines she's drinking she's angry she's violent he got to get her up out of his house his family knew that he was trying to get rid of her she knew that he was trying to get rid of her and the neighborhood of course knew that he was trying to get rid of her now on the morning of january 2nd 2017 I assume this morning started off just as any other would, with a fresh argument and some orange juice. Then Andre ends up leaving the house, goes by a quick trip. Which I want to say, excuse me, um, all the source document says that it's a corner convenience store, but we saw the footage, and that's a quick trip. Why like quick trip? He sees some guys that he knows, and they like, yo, Andre, what's good? And he was like, "Uh, you know, crazy-ass Helen at the house, on her shit again, right? He's like, I got to get her out. It's not working no more. Drive me crazy. I'm supposed to be living my best life, and she's stressing me every morning. Can't take it. Can't take it. They chop it up, goes into the store, gets what he needs. Andre returns home, and all we know from there on out is that he's been stabbed by Helen, and that's all that we actually really know. Now, Helen says that Andre entered the house in a state of rage after making a trip to this corner store. Now, Prior to the trip, she claims that everything was fine, but he comes back and he's mad, yelling, saying that she got to leave. Then she gets physically attacked. He comes at her. She's afraid for her life. So what does she do? She picks up a knife that she was using to cut vegetables to prepare dinner for her man. And instead of pushing Andre away, which is what she had meant to do, she accidentally stabs him in his chest. Now, the first thing she does, of course, is panic because she just stabbed this man in the chest. So when you panic, who you going to call? Your mama. And she's like, Ma, I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. I just accidentally stabbed Andre in his chest. And her mom's like, girl, calm down. You know what you need to do. Quit playing with me. Get off this phone. She gets off the phone with her mom and decides to call the police that afternoon. An officer by the name of Dusty Chaplin gets a call on her radio and says that there's been a stabbing. Gets in that car, she heads for the scene. She gets there, and it's very quiet, and the front door is open. Officer Chaplin goes into the house, and she hears the sound of somebody yelling for help. Help, help, somebody please help. She follows this voice and enters the kitchen, and laid out on the floor is Andre Brown. Over him, crying, begging for help, is Helen Frazier. Officer Chaplin's like, ma'am, are you okay? What happened? Helen tells this lady... That a perpetrator came in here and attacked Andre. Helen Frazier's in here crying over her man who she just lost. 
And Officer Chaplin's like, ma'am, what happened? She says, somebody came in here and stabbed him. She's so upset. Officer Chaplin and another officer spread out through the house. They're looking for this suspect, this assailant, right? Because they might still be here at the house. Officers search, and they're like, don't worry, ma'am. The house is clear. It's safe, you know. The guy seems to have left, right? Other officers given instructions to dispatch on how to locate them, where they're at, what they need, right? It was clear to Officer Chaplin when she arrived that Andre was already dead and gone, and they pronounced him dead at the scene. The homicide detectives arrive soon after, and they start inspecting the scene, and they notice that Andre... Okay, what we know for sure is that Andre's been stabbed. Then they look, and they're like, but there's not a lot of blood here. They get a little closer, and they're like, he has this one small stab wound, like six inches, but the stab wound was in the perfect angle to where Andre suffered a significant amount of internal bleeding, which is what caused him to die. Like, it's not like he just bled out into the floor and lost a lot of blood. He was, things were cut up inside of him and punctured inside of him. So they're looking at the body and they're like, look, there's no defense wounds whatsoever. And they see what Andre has on his person and he has a knife on him. So Andre was technically armed with a weapon so whoever did this literally caught him by surprise right now the police are going through the house they're looking to see what they can find they do find a knife in the sink but it's washed off and i mean it's a sink full of dirty dishes and it could be it couldn't be we'll see and the only person that they have to talk to is helen because helen is an eyewitness and she says that she at least has some kind of recollection of who stabbed Andre. Helen's at the station. She's getting ready for her one-on-one with Detective Lorna Garcia. And as soon as she sits down, the detective, Helen is like, oh my goodness. Let me tell you what happened. My fiance, Andre, girl, when? (laughs) My fiance, Andre, he just means the world to me and I just love him so much. And I just, I can't believe that anybody would come and just do this to us. And it's just a sad, sad thing that happened. And they were like, okay, well, can you tell me? She's like, well, what was happening was that I was prepping food for our new year's party. How are you having a new year's party on the second <laughs> for our new year's party? <laughs> And we were supposed to have it later on that evening, so I'm chopping up things, I'm mixing things, and Andre, he runs down to the corner store. He goes to get, like, a beer or cigarettes. You know, he always runs down there. When he gets home, he walks to the door, and literally, as soon as he walks to the door, somebody walks in behind him. They're like, who? And she's like, I'll tell you who. Milton Leak. Instacart helps you get beer and wine delivered in as fast as an hour. So, whether you need to fill the cooler for tailgate season or fill your glass for Pinot by the fire season, you can save time by getting fall sips delivered in just a few clicks. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Must be 21 or over for alcohol delivery where available. Instacart. Add life to cart. Streaming October 6th on Paramount+. Plus. First place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land. But come back. There's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something's talking through him. Sometimes dead 
is better. Pet Cemetery Bloodlines Rated R streaming only on Paramount Plus. Now they're like, okay, who was Milton Leek? And she's like, Milton Leek is this guy that was his friend, but um, Milton is mad because Milton owes Andre money, and it's been for a while. And they've they've he stole things. He used to live with us. He stole things from my home. And she's telling all everything that's happening, right? She said, he came in. Andre turned around. The two of them started arguing, just going at it. And then next thing you know, Milton pulled out a knife, stabbed him, and ran out the door knife in hand. And the detective is like, okay, we have a name. We have a description. We know that the weapon is on the person. We, we're, we're going places with this, this investigation. Let's do it. So let's go find Milton. They are like, well, where do we find Milton? Milton is a guy that's kind of a drifter. So they go down to one of the soup kitchens. They go down to the soup kitchen, and it was split pea soup night, and Milton was there, and detectives were like, hey, Milton, and he was like, hey, I'm Detective Garcia. I'm just going to need you to come down and talk to me. Can you, will you be by tomorrow? He's like, sure, I'll come by tomorrow. And Milton goes down to the detective, detective station. And Milton goes down to the station to talk to the detectives the next day. I know you love that DJ, so I bought us tickets for next week. Got you a coffee. Oatmeal cappuccino, right? Your bookshelf. You've got a really, really great taste. Really great taste. Let's spend the day together. I've got it all planned out. Planned out. Planned out. Kindness. Now that's sexy. Try it for yourself with compliments. Now on Bumble. On January 3rd, Milton comes in for questioning and admits that he does in fact know Andre and Helen. He also admits to owing Andre some money, but he was like, that's not really a big deal because... Me and Andre help each other out. We both know what it is. So the detectives are like, oh, yeah, well, Andre's dead. And Milton is distraught. He's completely caught off guard. Like, wait a minute. And y'all think I had something to do with it? Not only did I find that my boy is dead, but y'all want to talk to me and tell me that I did it? Absolutely not. That is like my worst fear. That you're going to kill me? Or that you're going to be accused of killing me? No, that I'm going to be (laughs) accused of killing you. (laughs) What? Is that what you think of me? (laughs) That just threw me off guard. What? (laughs) Then I'm going to be like, they're going to be like, Mara did it. And I'm like, no. No, really. It wasn't me. I swear. Look at his search history. I was doing research. (laughs) Look, like they were plotting, they were plotting to kill each other. (laughs) So they're like, well, listen here, Melanie. We can't just take your word for it. You're going to have to prove it. He's like, listen, I've been staying at a hotel by myself the whole day. It was like, well, that doesn't track well for you, buddy. Somebody's going to have to corroborate this story. And Milton's like, listen, I only left my room twice, and that was to go to the grocery store and to go to a corner store. But he didn't have any witnesses. He didn't have anybody to back up his statement. He didn't have anybody say, yeah, he was with me. And the cops didn't have any other leads. What they did know was that the woman who was crying over this man's body said that he did it. And here he is with no alibi. So they arrest him. Lock him up. 
They said that's all we need. So that's crazy. Ain't it? Ain't take much, did it? So the investigators they get to work and they're comparing Milton and Helen's statements. They're checking cameras. They're confirming Milton's whereabouts, and they can't really find a trace of Milton. He wasn't on anybody's footage. Nobody at the hotel claims to have recognized him. Just another black face, I guess, you know. And later, they get a warrant to go through his storage locker at the local YMCA, hoping to, you know, find bloody clothes, a murder weapon, anything. But they were very disappointed because when they got there, there was nothing that could tie him back to the scene. As a matter of fact, there was nothing that said he did it except for Helen. So, fast forward to January 20th, detectives are like, okay, we're spinning in circles here. Helen, come back in. Let's, you know, go back over the story. Let's see where things, you know, we must have missed something the first time around. Let's go through this again, right? She tells them what happened. They're like, listen, I hear that you're saying that it's Milton, but nothing else is saying that it's Milton. And Helen's like, you know what? Yeah, all right. It wasn't Milton. And he's like, oh, well, what did she fucking do? Who was it then, ma'am? And she was like, if you really want to know who the real killer is, it's Kenny Oakley. Now, a whole new man is introduced into this case. But first, they have to release Milton from jail. Yeah, where he's been. Where he's been. Since what? The third? It's Falsely. the 20th. Yes. He's been there damn near all month. And when and when my job says, where have I been for the past three weeks? What should I tell them? In jail? On a murder charge? Don't worry, I've been cleared. That's not a good excuse. <laughs> That's not a good excuse. <laughs> now, when she starts telling the story of Kenny Oakley, she doesn't say that it's about money, because remember, Milton, it was about the money. She says that Kenny comes into the house. She's upstairs. She's upstairs. Kenny comes into the house, and he confronts Andre about stealing something. They're arguing back and forth, and she hears it from upstairs, so she comes downstairs because she hears these men arguing. And when she comes downstairs and she pokes her head around the corner, she sees them, like, wrestling. And Andre picked up a knife from, like, where the knives are in their kitchen, and Kenny is trying to get it away from him. Kenny is able to get the knife Stabs Andre. Andre falls. Kenny takes the knife, puts the knife into the sink, and runs out the door. And she's like, after that, of course, I call 911. And the police are like, okay, okay, I hear your story. It's another name. We're grateful, right, right? But why didn't you tell us in the first place that it was Kenny? And she's like, listen, you don't understand. The Oakley family, you don't fuck with them, okay? They're not, they're not people that you want to mess with or be on the bad side of. And the detectives are like, okay, we're the police. We're going to find this Kenny Oakley. They show up to Kenny's house, and Kenny is like, well, I've seen way too many police shows. <laughs> I know exactly how this story is going to end why are y'all here? And they're like, we need to talk to you. And he's like, I don't know if I want to talk to y'all. But eventually he ends up going down to the station and talks to them. They start asking him about Andre and Helen. And he's like, who? And they're like, Andre and Helen that live down there. He's like, I don't know them. I don't know them at all. 
They're like, are you sure? He's like, I'm sure I don't know them. Like, I may have seen them in passing. We all live in the same vicinity, but I don't know them like that. Nothing more than a what's up, what's going on. Well, Andre is dead, and you, Kenny, have been named as his killer. And Kenny is like, no, I haven't. (laughs) They're like, well, do you have an alibi for January 2nd? And he's like, as a matter of fact, I do. Kenny drives trucks. Kenny had a clock in, clock out slip. And Kenny was able to be like, this is where I was. And clearly, I was not at the scene of this crime. The detectives look dumb again. And they're like, okay, time to go back to Helen, our only witness. So a month passes and detectives are like, okay, let's circle back to Helen again. You got to start at the beginning and keep working your way down, right? Start, start back to the beginning, back to the beginning. So they're like, Helen, walk us through what happened one more time because, you know, we checked things out with Kenny, like you said. And um, again, things with Kenny ain't lining up. And she was like, you're right. Kenny ain't do it. They said, well, God damn it, Helen, who did it? Girl. <laughs> she says, okay, it was this man named Mark Keegan. They said, and who is Mark Keegan? She says, it's the Chicago dope boy, and I'm telling you, I'm, I am terrified of him, okay? And that's the reason I lied the last two times that you asked me. Because my life is now on the line. Look, y'all see what he did to Andre? She goes on and on. Mark's a kingpin. He's a hitter. She's terrified. I'm scared. At this point, Detective Garcia, you know they say listen to your gut. His gut is going to look queasy. He said, bullshit. So they're like, listen, we're going we're gonna to get back to you on that. All right, Helen. And they decide, you know, we're going to do a little more digging into what actually happened the day that Andre died. Now, they try and just play with the what if. What if Mark Keegan did it? Maybe we should at least talk to him. They called every precinct in Chicago and nobody has heard the name Mark Keegan. It's supposed to be the dope boy, the hitter. He ain't on nobody's radar. Nobody's out here looking for Mark Keegan. He He ain't got got no no warrants, no nothing. Not even your informants and your eyes on the streets. Nobody heard of Mark Keegan. They're like, nah, nobody heard of him. So Helen will tell you anything to stay out of jail, right? She'll tell you the grass is orange. Stay out of jail, okay? So police are like, we gonna look into it. We're going to look into her, and we're going to figure out some truths about this story. So if y'all think back, it was Officer Chaplin who arrived first to the scene of the crime, right? Well, Officer Chaplin is hearing how Helen is a liar and naming all these people, and she's like, you know what? All of a sudden, I have this memory that one month before the murder actually happened, that she was actually dispatched to Andre's address because Andre and Helen were in yet another domestic dispute. And what she remembers about this is that Andre is the one who called the police. Mm -hmm. This is the police officer that told him that you were going to have to evict her. Mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. She says that 
That night that she was caught there, originally, Andre claimed that Helen was throwing things all over the place, breaking things, showing her ass. And Andre told the 911 office dispatch, and Andre told the 911 dispatcher and Officer Chaplin that he wanted Helen out. And Officer Chaplin is reciting a story. She was like, Helen's drunk off her ass, like, refusing to leave. Not that I could make her leave, but she refused to leave and, you know, said he's going to have to evict her. Officers are, like, looking back through. Okay, let's, let's, let's go through Helen's story. Let's look into Helen. Who is Helen? Who is Helen Frazier? Sis got a long-ass rap sheet for violent crimes. All of them accompanied by lies, many complaint phone calls from Andre, from people, witnesses to Andre and Helen. And these calls started in 2016 when Helen moved in. Even the day he died, all things pointed back to Helen Frazier. Now, the detectives are like, wow, I feel like I've been played. So in order to make this arrest, we need somebody to at least be able to be a witness to her violent nature. So they're thinking and they're thinking and they're like, hmm, who could I call? You know what? Didn't Milton say that he stayed with them for a little while and that's they at least had some type of running like that? Let's call him back. So after they threw him in jail and let him out of jail, they want him to come now be a witness and... They start off, she says that we started off with a very heartfelt apology. How would you feel if you came in and the police apologized for arresting you? I'm going to need something else. I'm going to need some money. Money is what I'm going to need. So they apologize. Okay. And then they're like, do you have any information about Andre and Helen and Milton? He And what did they say and snapped? They were like, he was such a gentleman about it. What am I supposed to say, fuck you, so that you can arrest me for real? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Like, you're the fucking police. I'm a black man. Like, what am I supposed to do? And they're they like, said he was, he was so very, nice. yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. <laughs> me too when I'm in trouble, shit. Yeah, when I'm around y'all, what the fuck? So anyways, they, I don't know, the whole Milton storyline, I just really didn't like because... You didn't have to put him through that in the first place. Anyways, Milton is like, yeah, you know, things were really violent. He tells the story about how she pulled out a knife and she pulled out a knife and threatened to stab him. And the police are like, well, I'll be darned. Then the detectives, they decide that they're going to look further. They find the footage of Andre when he goes to the quick trip. And they're like, oh, okay, we see Andre. At the store, oh, we see that he's talking to somebody that's, like, further off camera, probably on another camera, and they go down and track these two guys that talk to Andre. They find the guys. They're like, hey, you spoke to Andre on this day. What were y'all talking about? They were like, oh, yeah, I remember speaking to Andre. He was talking about how he had that crazy-ass bitch down at the house, how he was trying to get her up out of there because, you know, it's always heated down there. They're like, okay, interesting. Now we have this motive, Right. Helen doesn't want to be kicked out of the house. Andre's ready for her to go. And they're like, okay, let's look a little further. Let's go a little deeper. Let's go a little deeper. I mean, the police just be playing. Okay, let's find out. Let's look at Helen's phone records. <gasps> she made a call before she called 911. 
Who is this number? She called her mother. They bring her little old mama down in. And she's like, yes. She called me and told me that she accidentally stabbed Andre. And I was just so hurt. I was just so sad. And what after that, after I got off the phone with her, I text the entire family, pray for Helen. She stabbed Andre. And then I was told I wasn't supposed to say that. So I text everybody and said, never mind. Somebody else did it. All right. <laughs> Way to cover it up. Mm-hmm. Real smooth. That's like that. You seen that clip? And that girl was doing reviews. And her friend come in and was like, what is that? That stinks. And she's like, I'm doing a review. He was like, I mean, it was great. I, I mean, I loved it. <laughs> so they've got all of this. And they're feeling really ready to put Helen under arrest. They're like, Helen, come on back down to the station. She goes down to the station for her fourth interview. And they're like, you know, tell me a story. What do you know? Well, let me tell you what we know. Uh, heard that you called your mom. Heard that she, you know, texted everybody that you told your mom that you stabbed Andre. And Helen is like, what? No. I have no idea what you're talking about. They're like, you called your mom. We have your phone records. She's like, I don't remember. I was just so in shock. I completely blacked out. The police are like, no. No, girl. No, you didn't. You're under arrest for first-degree murder and two counts of false persecution, one for Milton and one for Kenny, because you're fucking tripping. On January 22nd, 2019, Helen's trial begins. The prosecution is at a loss because back in Chicago, when the local investigators go and question Helen's mama to get ready for trial, Helen's mama takes back everything she ever said to the police. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial. As if that's not bad enough, Helen then takes the stand and is like, did I kill Andre? Yes, I did. Why? For self-defense. She starts on her fourth version and says his stabbing was completely and totally an accident. And that she was triggered by Andre's yelling due to a lifetime of physical and sexual abuse. She then goes on to say that her and Andre's home was filled with physical abuse. But the, but the prosecution shuts down that part of the testimony because they're like, there is zero evidence that Andre was ever physically abusive to you during any part of your relationship. And Andre's not here to defend himself, and we're not going to let you speak on him like that. You ain't got nothing to back it up. We ain't speaking on it. Shut it down. But you know what we do have? All these phone calls that he made on you. That's what we can back up. So the prosecutors come, and they're like, listen, Helen was upset. Helen was jealous because Helen was about to be thrown back out on the streets. She was acting out of survival. She wanted to make sure that she had a place to stay. And because of that, she got so angry and she stabbed Andre. Not only did she do that, but she was on the phone with her mother for 11 whole minutes afterwards instead of rendering aid. She left him, not to mention blamed it on other people. On February 15th, 2019, the judge hands down his verdict. They find Helen Frazier guilty of second-degree murder 
and two counts of false prosecution. And in the lovely state of Iowa, that gives Helen 52 years in prison with the eligibility of parole after she serves 35 years. So she will be eligible for parole when she is 89 years old if she gets that far. All right. That's it. Okay. All right, y'all. It is time for... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. I didn't do it, but if I did, why you got all these black men getting involved in your your mess? You didn't name three innocent people. Two and a half. We still don't know about Michael. We still don't know about, what's his name, Mark? Marcus. He ain't real. Right. But, uh, or you should have start. I do, but if I did, you should have started with the imaginary person. <laughs> she didn't get that idea till later. The per- No, but she said there was somebody that ran out of the house with the knife, and she, she should have just stayed with that person. She just never had to give a name. Right. And the person got away in the night without a trace, in the morning dawn without a trace. There was no evidence. There was no evidence because you were over him crying, and they were looking for this mystery man. It could have been just nobody. I ain't do it, but if I did, I just feel like stabbing is so dangerous. Like, especially if you just want to get their attention because one little stab can fuck up a lot on the inside. Mm-hmm. And it's really not even the stab in, it's retrieving the knife. Because we hear about bullet wounds being in people and people living with bullets in their bodies that are just there. And if the knife, that, that thing just hit. Just everything important in that area. And it's really like the luck of the jaw, right? Like, I, she probably didn't mean to kill him. She only stabbed him once. She just stabbed him real good. You know what I mean? Knives are dangerous. I do it, but if I did, I want to stay where I want wanted. If not only you, but everybody else around town knew that he wanted you up out his house, girl, get up out his house. That's embarrassing. Are you not embarrassed? Yeah. That's a good one. Because now you just look crazy. Now you just look dumb and desperate. And everybody's talking about you, girl. We can't have that. Don't go outside. Um, I ain't do it, but if I did, you had all of that time. Even if you did blame Milton, right? Milton was in jail from the 3rd to the 20th. You couldn't have found a way to get into his YMCA locker, find out where he'd be at to plant something on him. You didn't even try. This man was already arrested. All you had to do was have one piece of evidence. You could have left a piece of his hair on his things. You didn't even try to get away with it, honestly. You think that just lying and lying will get get away, help you get away with things, but you actually have to put action behind everything you do to make it come into flourishing, you know? She didn't commit. You didn't commit. You didn't commit to the crime. I ain't do it, but if I did, it sounded like your mama was a mouth of the south, and it sounds like that's not... Who you should have told that you stabbed this man. And then, of course, you're going to come back and be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Never mind. Someone else did it. I did Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Oh, her mom was just trying to calls. save her. Right. I ain't do it, but if I did, for our mystery person, Mark, that is this big kingpin in Chicago and is well-known, and he a, he a hitter. He wouldn't stab him. They're not walking around stabbing nobody, okay? You don't think so? Not not one little knife like that. If they gonna, I feel like they're going to do more. 
And I feel like they got some. Maybe nice that's that's why he's so cold with it, for right? A minute. Oh, that's listen, why he's that's so why cold. He's, oh. Exactly. That's why, because he listen. He killed this man without a trace. There wasn't even a lot of blood to clean up. He was a street nigga he's that was actually really that smart. Exactly. And was really they great at science. Are. And he would have been a doctor if mm-hmm. the public school system actually cared about bright minds. And so even though he never went to med school. He was school, never challenged in the classroom. He still learned about the human body. So he learned to get to take away his ops by mm-hmm. pre- precisely stabbing. That's a story. <laughs> That's a story. Don't nobody take my idea. It's Tess, it's my it, we in this together, okay? Okay. He's just that good. All right, we did it. Let's read some reviews and get out of here. Girl, parole or no parole? Oh, no hey, parole. Tom, I got to tell you how this No show parole. Goes. You are a big fat liar, girl. Have you ever heard of the boy who cried wolf? What if she really didn't mean to kill him? Then call 911. He's, He's been hurt. Dead. He's then you need to be better. You had time, right? You called your mother. Maybe you should have been sitting down making up a plan. And even when you blamed the first person and he was arrested, you got too comfortable. And remember, they took that knife because they were like, there's a knife. But I mean, maybe, but it's like clean at the bottom of the sink. Girl, fuck that knife. So she only sorry because she got caught. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I used to hate that. And I used to apologize. I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. You ain't sorry you did it. You're sorry you got caught. And you're right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I, that is so funny. I, my mom used to make me read Boy Who Cried Wolf if I got in trouble for lying all the time. I mean, so when funny. I was 16, I got caught lying and she made me read it out loud to her. <laughs> That'd be like, when I, y'all, I'm gonna be having the people talking to the church. <laughs> She said, read your lyrics to Harriet Tubman. My booty go clap, clap, clap. It was <laughs> some stupid shit. That stuff is funny, bro. Um, I've never seen her show, but that just made me die. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to send you a thread of I'm Harriet motherfucking Tubman, and I got a problem with you. Because Tyler Perry writes real life. That is such a great some, musical. I've been trying to get girl, your, your sister on it. Some girl... From loving hip hop, Hazel, Hazel E. She was on Ayamla Fix My Life, and she had stupid ass songs with stupid ass lyrics. And Ayamla had her read it to pictures of Harriet Tubman <laughs> and like Sojourner Tooth and Rosa Parks. <laughs> I wonder if that's where you got that idea. Oh, so good. I'm Harriet Motherfucking Tubman, and I got a problem with you. Is this what they're writing nowadays? Ooh, I don't know, man. I mean, she is a liar, right? You just I just really don't much. think she meant to stab him. She's just a liar, bro. I can't stand a liar. It's, it's one thing to lie. It's, it's another thing to lie where other people get involved and other people's lives get destroyed. Like, if nobody went down for it and it was just we couldn't find this person or whatever, that's one thing, right? You'd be like, okay, God gave me this past and I'm going to live my best life from here on out. I'm going to be a real, real good person, right? It's another thing to get somebody else to take the rap for you and they don't even really know you like it and you ain't got no beef with them or nothing. You just happy it ain't you? But 35, no, 35 years is when she'll be eligible for parole. That's not when she get out. That's when she'll be eligible. I said Ooh. she. I said 53 is what she's actually uh, 
And she ain't gonna make that 53. I just don't believe it. Not on jail food. (laughs) No, she's not gonna make it. She's not gonna make it. You just lied too much, girl. And that bottle, that bottle, that bottle. It's one hell of an addiction, that bottle. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm ready to read some reviews. This one is from Alan Dom. Five stars, a must listen to. Ever since I discovered y'all's podcast, it's been fire. The I'm not black, I'm OJ part, I like the best because I love to hear how you would have handled the whole ordeal. I always encourage my coworkers to listen to your podcast. Keep up the great work, ladies. Thank you. No, thank you. Oh, I said thank you. No, thank you. This one's from Happy Tot, titled Love. Great insight. Thanks, Happy Tot. That's the review, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. Short, sweet, to the point. That's the end of the show. If you want to keep up with us, you can. You can follow us on Instagram, Sisters Who Kill Pod. You can follow us on Twitter, Sisters Who Kill. You can follow us on TikTok, Sisters Who Kill Podcast. Facebook discussion group. Make sure you answer all the questions. And here's the thing. like You have to actually say what your favorite episode is. You can't say, somebody put season one, episode one. No. (laughs) No. That was the one. That they like the most. We don't have seasons. Girl, you know what she meant. No. I'm going to need a name. Y'all can open up your app real quick. Anyways. um, Or some people do that. The girl who did, like, the girl who killed over leggings. They'll do that. That's fine. That's fine. Those are totally fine. Those are funniest. They'll be like, you know what you said? No, the one of them was like, talked about. somebody said, I don't remember the one, but I remember Tad said that that man had a cul-de-sac head and I was dying. And I said, yeah, you listen to the show. <laughs> okay, anyways, you can join that if you'd like. And um, you can email us, podcast at gmail.com. I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else, friend? Talk to us. We talk back. Bye. Bye.